Welcome to the Southridge Church Podcast. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we want you to stay connected with us. You can find us on sanjose.cc or subscribe to the podcast. Good morning. You may be seated. It is good to be with you guys once again. Uh, some of you, I, I remember you, seeing you here at the gala last time that we were here with you guys about a year and a half ago, and, and some of you maybe remember us being here in the, in the past, and it's just always good to be, and I, I will say this without hesitation, my favorite church in the Bay Area. You guys are just a, just a wonderful, loving church, and I love your guys' as pastor, and, uh, and you, you guys are just an, an amazing, amazing church. I'm glad that you guys have a place that you can meet at, and you don't, have, you don't have to break down and set up every week like you've had so many other times, and I'm still praying for that, that place that you guys bought up on the hill that God will allow you to have your own home one day in the future, but it's so good to be here with you all. This morning I have a sermon, and I've titled it, The Best Place to Live. Now, I was born and raised in L.A. Uh, Then I ended up moving here and living in in San Jose for nine years. And now I live in the armpit of California. You guys know where the armpit of California is? It's Fresno. That's right. That's right. It's Fresno. Somebody knows, right? It's, that's, I, I always said to myself, I never want to live in, the, in, Cal, in Fresno. It's, it's the armpit of California, and there I am. That's where the Lord has me serving. I've been there for now for six years, and, uh, but I get to travel up and down the state and be at different churches, just sharing, sharing God's Word and also sharing about what, what we do together as, as, as churches to help uh, us do the great commission that God has called us to do. And, and really, I really liked some things about the Bay Area and some things I didn't like, and I'm not going to go there this morning. But what I liked about the Bay Area is the cool weather. I love the cool weather. It's not hot like it is in Fresno. It's not hot like it gets in L.A. sometimes. It's not, you know, at least here you don't get the smoke. It's just nice. I love going to Santa Cruz, going to the boardwalk, you know, having some good clam chowder up in, in San Francisco area. You know, I really enjoy those things of the Bay Area. It was just a great place to live for me and my wife. We loved the Mexican food that they have here, and the pho was like second to none, okay? Really loved the pho here in the area. But the reality is that the best place to live isn't necessarily based on location. The best place to live really has to do with where we're at uh, spiritually, where we're at mentally, where our soul can rest, where our spirit is strengthened, that is the best place to live. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, is where are you living? Where are you living? Now, I I was looking through my emails, and I realized that I was supposed to be preaching today out of Proverbs. And so here's the Proverbs that I have for you this morning. It's a Proverbs that maybe you grew up listening to. It's a Proverbs that maybe you know uh, from memory, and it's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Do you know it? It says, trust, and who? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. In all of your ways, trust in the Lord. That is the best place to live. 
The best place to live is where you have your full trust in the Lord. The best place to live is when you acknowledge him in everything that you are making decisions on and you're acknowledging his word, you're acknowledging his spirit, you're acknowledging all that he is so that you can make good, healthy decisions in your life. We need to live in a place where we trust in him every day, in every decision, where we acknowledge him all the time. The psalm that I want to guide you to this morning that we're going to be looking at is in Psalms 91. If you have your Bibles or your Bible app, I encourage you to go there. I want to read the first four verses here of Psalms 91. And we're actually going to go through all of Psalms 91. And we're going to go through, um, through seven points this morning. So don't be scared. I'll go really quickly, okay? And you can follow along in your notes. So Psalms 91, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. And I'm going to ask you to stand as I read these first four verses. And then I'm going to pray for us this morning. This is what the Word of God says. The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He himself will deliver you from the hunter's net, from the destructive plague. He will cover you with his feathers. You will take refuge under his wings. His faithfulness will be your protective shield. Let us pray. Father, as we look into your word this morning, Father, I pray that wherever people might be living today, when it comes, Father, to their spiritual life, wherever their soul may be this morning, Father, I pray that as they leave here this place, that they would leave, Father, encouraged because of who you are, because of what you do, because of, Father, what you teach us, Father, through your word. I pray, Father, that, that they would not, Father, be leaning today, Lord God, on their own strength, but on you. So, Father, I pray that this morning you would speak, Father, your word of truth through this mouth. Father, that you would speak, Father, into the hearts and minds of those that are here, Father, and those that are listening online. And that, Lord, that you would do your mighty work in the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask these things in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So as we look at this passage, like I said, we need to be understanding that we need to live in a place where we're trusting in him always and acknowledging him always. And when we look at the psalm, this psalm is actually a part of, of three psalms. Psalm 90, 91, and 92 are actually one whole psalm. It's a liturgical psalm that would have been read in the temple by, by the Jews, by the God-fearing people. They would have read these, the, the, this, this psalm and they would have... Uh, been reassured of who God is. This psalm probably came out of either the time where Moses was leading the people out of Egypt or probably during the time of David when he was going through some really difficult times. And that's when this psalm would have been written about who God is. And it was a psalm again to reassure them about how great and how mighty God is. It was to reassure God fears, people that believed in the God Almighty. And so what we'll see here in this passage passage this morning is seven reassurances, seven reassurances for those of us today that fear the Lord, that love the Lord, that want to put our trust in the Lord, that want to acknowledge the Lord in our lives. Amen? 
So here's the first one that we're going to look at here. First, we need to remember God's power. If you want to be reassured and trust God in, in any situation, you need to first understand and remember God's power. And how do we see God, God's power? Well, we see it in the first verse in the, in the titles of who Christ is, of who God is, right? It says there, and whoever lives under the protection of the Most High, the Elion, the one that is the possessor of all things, the one that lives in him, the one that, that lives under the protection of the one that possesses everything. I know sometimes we're going through difficult times and we're trying to figure out how we're going to do certain things. And we have to remember that the Lord owns it all. He possesses it all. There's nothing lacking in him. And you might be going through a difficult time and you're wondering, Lord, how? Where? Well, God is the possessor of all things. And not only does he possess all things, but then he goes on to say he dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. The Almighty is the Shaddai. He is the God that provides all of our needs. So look at how wonderful this, this God that we have is. He is the one that possesses all things, and he is the one that provides all things. He provides all our needs according to his riches in glory. Amen? And there's a lot of riches in glory. And so we need to understand that when we're going through difficult times, that we are blessed if we understand that, one, he possesses all things, he provides all things. And look at what we find in verse 2 about him. He says, I will say to the Lord to the Lord. The Lord is the Jehovah. We, we were singing about Jehovah, right? He is the eternal. He is the I am. He is the, the God of, of promise. He is the one that keeps all promises. Everybody in your life will fail you at some point. They'll tell you, I promise I'll never do this again. And guess what? Your kids will do it again. Your spouse says, I will never do that again. And guess what? Chances are they're going to mess up like within the hour, okay? And so that's just the way it is, right? People mess up. They make promises and they fail, but God never fails. He always keeps his promises, always keeps his promises. The promises he has made since before eternity, he will keep them until eternity to come. Amen? And he is faithful, and he is faithful. So he is the possessor of, the thing, of all things. He is the provider of all things. He is the one that keeps all promises. And then he says, says, he says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress. And then he says there in verse 2, my God, my God in whom I trust, my Elohim, the powerful God, the God that is the creator of all things. He is the one that is my refuge. He is the one that is my fortress. I, I was building this, this last week uh, a planting kind of like a, like a little retaining wall. That's right. My wife had to help me with that one. I was building a retaining wall at home. I, I got a bruise on my finger because I don't do these kind of things, right? I work in an office. I, I read the Bible, right? I preach and stuff. But I was working on my house trying to do the best job to be like Micaiah, that, right? He's handy at everything that he does. And, and so I bruised up my, my hand. I, I'm, I'm not this, this, this kind of guy that can do all these kind of things. It, 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 it 
you know, it makes my body sore. It, it's really difficult for me. It took me three days just to make this little wall. But for God, he just said it and it happened. He is powerful. His word is powerful. He is creator and he makes things beautiful. And he is our protector. He is our protector. He says he is my refuge. He is my fortress. And in him, I can trust. That's the God that when you're going through difficult times, when you're going through times of lacking, when you're going through times of struggle, that's the God that you can trust in. And then we see the second thing here in, in, of the seven that we're going to look at in verse 3. Look at, look at what he does that, that we must remember. He himself will deliver you from the hunter's net, from the destructive plague. He is the deliverer. Remember that God delivers his people from his foes. Now, I don't know about you, but you probably don't have anyone with a hunter's net coming after you, right? Right? We don't live in, in, in Hunger Day games, right? You know, in days. That's not where we're living today. But we do have this enemy that Scripture calls a roaring lion. And he is looking to devour you. And that is Satan. He wants to devour you. He wants to discourage you. He wants to... Take the joy out of you. He wants you to fear God and to doubt God. And the Lord, who is the Almighty, who is powerful, is the one that wants to deliver you from his attack. And one of the things he tells us that helps us to be delivered from that attack is to continue to come together and to read his word and to encourage one another with hymns and with songs Folks, these are the things that we do. These are the ways that he provides protection from us, from that enemy that's trying to destroy us, from any kind of disease that might want to come and plague us. For them, it was a very true disease. For us, there's a disease of laziness that many have, right? The disease of foolishness that many have. And so, folks, the Lord wants to deliver us from all those things. That's how that's what kind of God we have. He is faithful and he wants to deliver you. And so that's the next thing that we see here in verse 4. It says, He will cover you with his feathers. You will take refuge under his wings. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. This is the third thing to remember is that remember, God is faithful. He is a shield that you can trust. Some years ago, there was a fire up in the Yosemite Valley, up in, up in the mountains, and one of the firefighters that went up to one of the farms up there uh, saw that there was a chicken coop that was burned down, and when he looked down to the ground, he saw a bunch of feathers that were all charred and black just on the floor. And when he passed by there, he ended up kicking the, the feathers, and all of a sudden, there began to be some movement on the bottom of the feathers. As he kept kicking it, it kept moving, and all of a sudden, a couple of baby chicks came out from the bottom of it. The, the hen had put her feathers over her little chicks to protect them from the fire, and they survived the fire. And that's the picture, the image that we get from the faithful God that will come and take care of us and protect us from all harm. And he is faithful. He is faithful to the point that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross 
to pay for your sins and my sins so that all that would put their faith in Jesus Christ for the salvation of their souls may be saved and not have to go to hell and pay for their sins and live in eternal punishment, eternal, eternal pain because of the sins that we've committed against the holy God. Amen? That's the kind of God that we have that is faithful. That he sent his son to die for you and for me. Because we know that we as humans, we can try to do all kinds of things to, to please a holy God. We can try to, try to be a certain way to please a holy God. But folks, there's nothing in our being, there's nothing in our power that can please a holy God. Our works of righteousness, quote, are like filthy rags before God. The only thing that saves us is the perfect sacrifice of God's Lamb in Jesus Christ and the blood that He shed as a payment for our sin, for the salvation of our soul. He is that faithful of a God. He is that faithful of a God. So not only is our God powerful, not only is our God our deliverer, but He is faithful. When we think of that and we live every day trusting in that God, how can we not be reassured. How can we not be reassured in any kind of circumstance that we might be going through? That is that, that, that place that we are to be living, that sh under his shelter, under the reality of who our God is. Who doesn't want to live there every day? Who doesn't want to dwell there every day? Scripture tells us that it's better to be one day in his courts than a thousand place, than a thousand days elsewhere. Amen? And so I just want to encourage you today. I don't know where you're living, but I want to encourage you to continue to dwell with the Lord and be reassured of who he is. But let me continue to read here, verses 5 to 13. It says, You will not fear the terror at night, the arrow that flies by day, the plague that stalks in darkness, or the pestilence that ravages at noon. Though a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, the pestilence will not reach you. You will only see it with your eyes and witness the punishment of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord my God, my, my refuge, the Most High, your dwelling place, no harm will come to you. No plague will come near your tent. For he will give his angels order concerning you to protect you in all your ways." They will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will thread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the young lion and the serpent. Now, how many of you guys want me to pull out a serpent and maybe you trample on a cobra? What do you think? You want to try it? It says it in the Bible. You want to try it? Anybody? How about a lion? I don't think so, right? So what is this talking about? Well, the fourth point. Remember that God has made these promises to Jews and not to us. This was for the Jews. This was for the people of God that were going through a time of pestilence, like there were dead bodies around that you can get diseases from. This was a time where they were being attacked by physical people. This was a time when they were going through the wilderness, where they were going through places where there were actual lions. This was a, a place where they were walking through where there were serpents, you know, all over the place that were poisonous and there was nothing to, to help you. Once, they, once you got bit, that's it. You were dead. This is, you know, 
You're not going to go out there and all of a sudden take, take down 10,000 people. That's not what it's about. It's not about having that kind of faith. No. This was something for the Jews. For us, what we need to remember in our days today is that the same God that rescued those people, the same God that was with them in those extraordinary situations that were very dangerous, is the same God that we have today. Each one of your lives is different. Each one of you has gone through very difficult situations. And some of you might be going through very difficult situations today. Can I tell you that same God that protected his people just like he protected them here. And just like he promised he would be with them is the same God that will be with you. How many of you guys know what, what it's like to take a, a little pill every day to help you with, with uh, high blood pressure? Any of, any of you guys know what that's like? Yeah, you're like my age. If you, the most of you that are young, you guys don't even know what that's like. I just turned 50 last year. I know I look like I'm 25. <laughs> Times two. Um, and a very crazy thing happened to me like at 48. All of a sudden, my heart started racing at night. I guess it was anxiety. I, I couldn't sleep. I felt like I was having, having a heart attack. Numbness started coming up the top of my head. And I, I thought, man, I'm, I'm going to die here. Anybody of you know what that's like? I know you youngsters have no idea, right? But, and, and you know, and, and I'm thinking, what, what's happening to me? Well, there were a couple of things that were happening to me. One, um, my daughter had left our home. And, and I shared this with you guys some years ago. It was right, right when it happened was when I shared it with you guys. And you guys prayed for me at the end of service. But it was during, right after that time, she had left our home and we didn't, we didn't hear from her for like six or seven months. And it was, I was going through all that. And then we were, we were going through COVID. Everything was shut down. I couldn't, I couldn't go preach anywhere. So I started preaching online. Go figure. Became a TV evangelist. Uh, but I was not feeling well. My, my, my body started cramping on my wrist. My legs started cramping. Um, I had pain, constant pain. I'd go to the doctor, and, my doc and the doctor would say, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just stressing out. And... and, and I told the doctor, you know, what, what am I to do? And he started giving me different medicine, and they started messing me up even more. And one day he said to me, look, there's nothing wrong with you. All you need to do is when you start feeling anxious, come into my office and come talk to me. And I looked at this guy, and I'm going, this guy doesn't know God, does not believe in God, does not fear God, and why am I going to come to him? We went, we went out of that office that that day, I, held, I was holding my wife's hand. I said, honey, I know what I need to do. From now on, we're going to go to sleep with worship music playing. And when I get up in the middle of the night and I can't sleep, I'm just going to start reading the Bible. And I'm going to start praying. Because that's when most of the anxiety would come, would be at night. 
That's when I would be, be feeling the worst. That's when I would be just crying before the Lord, trying to figure out, Lord, where, where's my daughter? And, and when, when am I going to be able to, to see her? And all, and all that, and all the stress that I was going through at work, trying to figure out what we were going to have to do. We had to let go of people because we could not afford them. We had, we had to sell uh, some of the properties that we had at the state convention. Those, all those things were very stressful on me. And I was living in the moment but not living under the protection and the shadow of the Most High. I was forgetting who the Lord was, and I knew that I had to come back to remember who He was. That my God is powerful. That my God delivers. That my God is faithful. And so, folks, I want to remind you today, I don't know what you're going through. Because today, I don't have any of that cramping anymore. I'm still taking that little pill, but only because the doctor said, keep taking it. I don't check my blood pressure anymore because I sleep really good at night. But that's what the Lord did through me just putting my trust and my faith in him. And just like he has reassured them, I want to reassure you that God is still working today. And he wants to help you. And he wants to bless you. He wants you to, to remember what we, we just sang a little bit earlier. That he is the one that, even though we're fighting the battle, the battle's already won in him. And he will be with you. There is victory in Jesus. As long as we put our faith and our hope and our trust in him, folks, he can help you through the most difficult time. Keep taking the medicine. Okay, keep taking the medicine. I'm not telling you to stop the medicine, okay? Don't do anything dumb like that. Because your body has changed, changes, right, as things happen in our lives. But the peace of mind, the peace of spirit, the peace in your soul, that only comes from the Lord. That only comes from the Lord. I need to finish, so let's, let's go quickly. You guys aren't listening fast enough. Let me, let me go to the last three verses, okay? We'll find the fifth thing here in, the, in, in verse 14. Because he is lovingly devoted to me, Christ says, because the people are lovingly devoted to him. He says, I will deliver him. I will deliver him. I will exalt him because he knows my name. Remember that God desires abiding, loving obedience from us. Still today, he wants us to put our trust in him. He wants us to just love him. He wants us to just put our hope in him. So as you're going through difficult times, folks, the place that you are to live is that place where you just cry out to him and just sing to him in the middle of the storm and cry out how great and wonderful he is and just live every day. Like Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And he's saying this while he's in the middle of a jail with probably big rats, maybe a possum or two. And folks, no matter what we're going through, we are to just continue to live abidingly loving the Lord and, abide, and, 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 and being in, in obedience to Him. It's, it's said that where the heart is, right? That's, that's, where, that's where we need to be. Where home is where the heart is. Just it, live in a place where you're just trusting in Him, acknowledging Him, and He will deliver you and He will protect you. 
And this verse 15 says, When he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and give him honor. The sixth thing we find here is remember that God desires people who know and believe in his name. We believe in his name. We cry out to God, Lord Jesus, you help me. Lord Jesus, in your power, Father, may you do the work in me. It's not about me trusting in the doctors and the medicine. It's not me doing this in my own understanding, like the proverb says. Don't do it in your own understanding. Don't think that Google has the answer to this. Google will not give you peace of mind. It will not give you the answer to only what God can give you through Jesus and through his Holy Spirit and through his word. It's only his word that has power, that has the power to speak into your life. It's only Jesus that has the power to give you eternal life. It's only God that has the answers for your souls. You call out to him. In the name of Jesus, there is power. And he will deliver you. He will answer you. He will be present with you. And boy, you know what I needed more than anything in that time of anxiety and pain? I needed his presence to be real with me. I didn't want to go up to his presence. I wanted his presence to come down. I was scared. Though I should not have feared. But when I called out to him in the middle of the songs, in the middle of reading his word, in the middle of prayer, in the middle of night when I was not letting my wife sleep because I kept waking up and walking in and out and, you know, checking my blood pressure in the middle of the night, the Lord's presence was the one that I needed, was the one that delivered me. To finish, it says here, I will satisfy him in verse 16 with a long life and show him my salvation. I will satisfy him with a long life and show him my salvation. The seventh thing here, the last thing is remember that God desires to bless your life. He wants, to satis- he wants you to be satisfied. He wants you to be filled. I love food. I love to cook a nice steak, tomahawk preferably, with a lot of seasoning on the top and to smoke it in my Traeger and infuse the smoke into that steak just enough that I could take it out after and reverse sear it on. I'm telling you guys, this is good stuff. Reverse sear it on the grill so that when I bite into it, after I let it sit for a while so that the juices stay inside of it, I put it in my mouth and it satisfies everything from my mouth to my esophagus into my stomach. And I am blessed because I've eaten something that's delicious. Amen? Where are you going to eat today? But before you go, no one wants to go to Fresno. Before you go, can I tell you that as rich as all that sounds, that the Lord wants you to abide in a relationship with Him that is that rich and even more rich? He wants to give you something that this world cannot give you. Every man has a hole in his heart that only can be filled by the perfection of eternity. And that is found only in Jesus. 
when Jesus comes into your life and he puts his spirit inside of you and he dwells inside of you, he gives you the ability to understand, to be able to eat of his word and to drink of his word. And it becomes something that blesses and satisfies you. Because without you having the Holy Spirit of God inside of you, you cannot understand the spiritual things of God. But once you give your life to Jesus and you surrender your life and you say, Lord, I'm tired of doing this on my own. I need you, Lord. And you cry out to the Lord Jesus to come into your life and to be the Savior of your life. He gives you salvation. For them, there was a salvation that was very physical. That was something that they needed. But folks, I want to talk to you about the most important salvation. That is the salvation of your soul. You need to be spiritually alive. And you become spiritually alive when the Lord brings you life. And you go from the place of death to the place of life. From the place of condemnation to the place of eternal life. And that happens when you surrender your life to Jesus. And you ask him to be the Lord of your life. And you say, Lord, I don't know all that I need to do, but I want to put my faith in you. Put my trust in you. And you ask the Lord to forgive you for your sins and all that you've done against him. And he forgives you because he's a loving God. And he wants to pour out his love on you. And he wants to give you forgiveness for your soul. Today could be the day. And I don't know what you might be going through. That you can be reassured of this. That all that confess with their mouths that Jesus is Lord, believing in their hearts that God has raised them from the dead for the salvation of your soul, that you will be saved, that you will become a child of God, and that you get salvation not because of your works, but because of his grace, because of his love for you. Today can be a day of salvation for you. For the rest of us, today is a day to remember that the Lord is the one you can trust. The Lord is the one you need to go to and understand who he is, how powerful and mighty and all that he has for you and that he is faithful. He has not failed you. He will never fail you. He'll always be there for you. He wants to deliver you. And for those of you that are not saved, today he wants to save you. But it requires for you to come to him and say, Lord, save me. Save me, Lord. I put my trust in you for the salvation of my soul. This morning, you're invited to say yes to Jesus. Let's stand as we sing this, this song. Are we going to sing? And do we have some of the elders that can come up here? And if you want to give your life to Jesus this morning, I'm going to invite you to say this prayer. And if you say this prayer, the elders will be up here. And then they're going to guide you into the next steps that you need to take. But I want to invite you to say this prayer in your heart, right where you're at. Say it to the Lord. Give your life to Jesus this morning. Let him do the work of salvation in you. Here's the prayer. With all our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I deserve to go to hell because of my sin. But you love me so much that you sent Jesus, your son, to die on the cross for my sin. And he shed his blood as a payment for my sin. Today, I put my faith in you, in you 
for the salvation of my soul. Save me, Jesus. Come be the Lord of my life. Help me to live for you. If that was your prayer this morning, if that's what you cried out to the Lord today, today you are my brother, you are my sister in Christ. Because you're no longer just creation of God, now you're a child of God. Because you have put your faith in Jesus. Is there someone this morning that maybe made that prayer, that was your prayer this morning? If that was your prayer, I want to invite you as they're singing to come on up. And someone's going to pray for you. They're going to guide you in the next steps. And folks, as you see someone come up, someone that's giving their life to Jesus, will you cheer for them? Like when, when the Super Bowl, someone wins the Super Bowl, what do we do? Woo! No, man, we cheer with, with everything we've got. There's nothing more, there's no greater miracle. There's nothing greater to cheer about than when somebody gives their life to Jesus. So if somebody does that this morning, God does that miracle this morning. Will you just share with everything you got and give God the glory? Amen? Amen. If you're going through something difficult, remember to rest in Him. The Lord is with you. God bless you. Thank you again for spending time with us today, and a special thanks to those who give generously to Southridge Church. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about Southridge, you can follow us on social media at Southridge Now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with a friend, or even take a screenshot and share it on your social story. Make sure you tag Southridge Church and let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.